You doing well? It's good to see you this morning. Uh, Timmy was supposed to be preaching this weekend. Some of you may have seen he, I love that disappointment. I love it. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. Um, he launched his B-Side app this weekend. Yes. Uh, I was there for the launch. It was awesome. Uh, the event was done at 10 o'clock and then he went out into the lobby like he does and did not leave the venue until 2 a.m. in the morning. Made it home at 3 a.m. He hugged everybody, kissed everybody, took pictures, talked to everybody. Just, it was, the line was uh, excruciatingly long, probably at least 800 people. Uh, and so I was on the flight yesterday morning early to come back home and I knew he wasn't awake yet. So I texted him, I said, hey, there's a 0% chance you're getting on that airplane and flying to Scottsdale this weekend. Just rest, because he would have been a brain dead mo this weekend. Uh, so just be praying for him and uh, that God would use the app to minister to a lot of people, disciple a lot of people, set free a lot of people. It's an incredible thing, but it needs to be bathed in prayer. So the message I thought I was going to teach next weekend, I got uh, about an eight hour heads up that I would be preaching it this weekend. So I'm not, uh, I'm not submitting something to you. I'm sharing something with you that's been submitted to the elders and to the Lord. Uh, I want to calibrate your thinking as we go into this. Uh, I'm going to share some things that some of you are going to get really, really excited about. Okay. Uh, and that's not bad. But what I'm asking for is that you would pray even more than you're excited, okay? Because what we're talking about today is one of the seven mandates that we believe God's given our church for at least this next 25-year run. And it involves, in my opinion, the most intimidating verse in all of Scripture. It's actually the title of this weekend's message, the Bible's most intimidating verse. If you have a Bible, you can open up to Mark chapter 16 and put a marker in Romans chapter 10. Since I was 13 years old, this one verse has served as the single most intimidating verse. When I first read it, it hit me some kind of way and I have been overwhelmed by this verse for two thirds of my life or more, three quarters of my life, 45 now. This one verse is weighty. It carries with it a ton of responsibility. And I believe it is one of the biggest mandates we are given, but it's a lot to try and wrap your mind around. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, if you're there, you can read it with me. Jesus is speaking. This is just before his ascension. These are his last words. This last couple of sentences are his last words before he leaves to go to the right hand of the Father. He says this to his disciples, go. That's how I heard it when I was 13. Go. I didn't read it like it was some word from the alphabet. It hit me like a divine mandate. Preston, go! And do what? Go into all the world. Preaching the good news. To whom? Everyone. Preston, this is for every one of my children. Go! Where? To all the world. To do what? 
to preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To whom? Everyone. Now, what I'm going to talk to you about today, it would be easy for you to think, oh, well, this is all we're about now. It's, it's not, okay? I'm just sharing with you a, a part of what God's, I believe, asking from us as a church, okay? But before I talk to you about it, let me give you a statement that I want to calibrate your thinking and your heart before we jump into this conversation. A church must have a commitment to its family, a call to its city, and a heart for the world. This is us. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. A church must have a commitment to its family. So you can't just care about out there. We must be committed to our local church family. A church must also have a call to its city. The worst church plants are the ones you just pick a city rather than allow God to pick the city. A church must have a call to its city, but a church must also have a heart for the whole world. Matthew records this moment slightly differently from his perspective, shining even a little more light on go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Jesus came and told his disciples, this is verse 18 of Matthew 28, Jesus says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. I love when he talks like that. Therefore, or because of this, go. And do what? Make disciples. Where? Of all nations. Not this nation only. All nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Watch this next part. Teach these new disciples to obey. If you ever wonder why I use that word so much, this is why. If I don't preach obedience, when Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Jesus says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Why does Jesus say I'm with you? Because the task he had just given the disciples, not just those disciples, all of his disciples is daunting. It's overwhelming. It's meant to be so that we're not tempted to try and do it without him. That's why he ends this before he goes to the right hand of the Father saying, but hey, Preston, I like to personalize scripture just like I hope you do. Preston, don't trip out. It's a lot, but I am with you. This will happen not because of you. It will happen because of me. I am with you, even to the end of the age. This most intimidating verse, Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Beg some questions. And so we're going to answer three questions related to this verse and connecting this verse to the divine, the divine mandate we believe God's given us as a church. Here's question number one. So what are we doing about it and why? If that's the divine mandate, and one of the biggest we get as the children of God, the family of God, the house of God, what are we doing as Pillar Church about this divine mandate and why are we doing it? Okay, what I wanna share with you, I've shared this with the elders, is a picture I feel like the Lord gave me. Now, to you, it's gonna look like a funnel a little bit. 
but I want you to, to envision it more like a swimming pool. Scripture talks about the living water, uh, streams of living water will burst forth. I want you to, to imagine as we talk about this path of discipleship and this responsibility to disciple, I want you to see it like a swimming pool. And, and the pools I grew up with when I was younger uh, didn't have the easy entry. They all just had the ledge, you know? Those of us who are older than 40, you know what I'm talking about. There was no like walk-in entry and then somewhere along the line that became cool, you know? That's what kind of pool we're talking about. Where imagine the first part of the pool is the most shallow part. And as you go deeper and deeper into the pool, or further and further, it gets deeper and deeper, all right? Here's what we need to remember, and Paul helps us understand this in several of the books he was divinely inspired uh, to pen. Being all things to all people so that we might save some. The, the church cannot be a single depth swimming pool of discipleship. Here's why. Imagine if we just had a 60 foot deep end and the whole pool was 60 feet deep. And some of you want that. But here would be my question. What would happen to the babies who haven't learned how to swim yet? They would drown in the depths. On the other side of that coin, what would happen if we were only as a church one foot shallow all the way throughout the whole pool? What would happen? The elite swimmers, the swim instructors would never come and swim in this pool. Why? Because you can just walk in it, but you can't swim in it. It's got to have multiple levels. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, here's what we have to remember. Remember, we're always on the move. And we're called to go deeper and deeper into the things of God, not just further and further, deeper and deeper into the things of God. So I wanna show you, this is gonna look like a funnel, but I want you to see it, envision it as a swimming pool, all right? Here's the first level, the entry level. We call it strategic hooks. Strategic hooks. I'll explain this more uh, throughout the message, but I'm gonna show you half of this. So in the most shallow part of the pool, strategic hooks are essentially two major components of discipleship, social media and online testimonies. Now I'm gonna park online testimonies, which is a lot more exciting to me than social media, but they're both important. We'll get to online testimonies later. Social media, why? Are we sending discipleship out via social media? Well, I already read you the verse because it's the fastest way to go to the ends of the earth. Now, I'm gonna share a little data with you, all right? And for those of you who think the church should never talk about numbers, Jesus counted how many people were there that day in the miracle of the feeding of 5,000, and he counted how much leftovers there were. And he counted how much fish and loaves the whole thing started with. We don't count to idolize numbers. We count so we can be good stewards. Major decisions are made off of data, right? You do that with your own budget. How could I be a good steward of our family's resources if I never count? Well, hopefully there's enough. Okay, so I'm gonna share some data, but I want you to hear it with a pure heart because there's some big numbers involved, okay? I have to make these presentations to the elders uh, so that to keep them apprised of just what's happening, what God's doing as we walk down this path, uh, of discipleship that he's asking of us. In the month of October, all right, 31 days. In October, just on one platform, because remember, we're talking about the most shallow part of the pool, social media. That's not the deep end. 
Okay, that's the shallow end of the pool. So for those of you who are thinking, well, Preston's getting more shallow, that's the shallow end of the pool. It's a trick to get them into the deeper parts. But it's only 90 seconds long. It's bite-sized. Okay, to make it easy for that single mom in Mumbai who was sex trafficked, who thinks she'll never be able to understand the things of Scripture, it's a handout to say, follow me as I follow Christ. You can do this. Okay, so social media is a part of it. In the month of October, just to give you perspective. Now remember, our church is about 1,500 people. In October alone, just on one platform, not on all of the platforms, one platform, all right, Instagram, 4.2 million individual humans, not views, way more views than that. 4.2 million individual humans Listen to something God spoke through this house. In October alone. Now I know some of you are like, are, are we celebrating numbers? Every number represents a soul. Okay, so we're not, please don't let the enemy have a foothold. But we're going numbers. No, 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 this is data. I'm just sharing it with you, okay? A much bigger number than the 4.2 million is that in that month, 470,000 individual humans personally engaged they didn't just watch they personally engaged responded to something god spoke through this house if if i had the time to walk you through this morning my morning started counseling via dms a woman in africa last night a rugby player in south africa can you pray for me baller god's a savage can you pray for me? I'd prayed over him before his match, and he felt, I guess it worked. I'm just playing. And he said, can you pray over me before every match? Absolutely, we're family. Okay, why are we on social media? I, I, this is the last service, so I can say this. Here, here's why, because it's the fastest way to get the gospel to the other side of the, the earth. Okay, it's not the most important, please hear me. That's just the shallow part of the pool. Okay, and there's even better. We'll talk about that in the next point, all right? Here's the next level as we go a little bit deeper, sermons and sit-downs. And you'll notice as you watch this, as we go deeper, the number of people gets smaller because that's just the human condition. I'll just give you kind of data so far. Probably already in the nine, 10 months of this year so far, probably somewhere around 12 million people have watched something God said in this house, but on just YouTube, so not Spotify, about 1.2 million views, okay? So see how it gets smaller and smaller. You'll see why that's important, because the more people we can get eyes on what God's saying, the more people we can get to hear, the more people we can get to hear, the more people we can get to hear, and the deeper we go, the more important it gets, okay? That's why it matters. Have you ever asked the question, why do we preach on the weekends? Like, have you ever wondered, like, why do we actually preach a sermon on the weekends? Is it just because that's what the church has always done? No, it's what Scripture says. And I want to read you a passage that's been very important to me that the Lord gave me years ago when I stepped into this job. 2 Timothy 4, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4 say this. Paul says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Important language. So what's the urging that we do until he comes to set up his kingdom? Verse two, preach the word of God. 
Don't hand out sugar sticks. Preach the word of God. Don't preach your opinion. Preach the word of God. Now, for those of you, watch this next verse. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Here's my perspective of that, that sentence. I'm, I'm going to personalize it for the day in which we live. Some translations say be ready in season and out of season, right? Here's how I, I see that. Preston, I want the gospel going out 24 hours a day, every day until I return. Whether you're asleep or you're awake, I want the gospel going forth through you and this church. In season, out of season, awake, asleep, doesn't matter. Now, for those of you who think that I get a little too strong with you sometimes when I preach a step on your toes, I'm about to read to you the scriptural why. When you preach the word of God, patiently correct, even rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Now watch the why, verse three. For a time is coming, and I believe we're living in it, when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires, and they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. This is why we must preach the word. Whether we're doing it in this pulpit, whether the, the student ministry is doing a sit-down and a little 15-minute teaching into a camera, doesn't matter. We must preach the word of God. Then the next part of the pool, as we go deeper and deeper into the pool, is what I'm calling streams, because when I put this together, I was in full-on preacher mode, and everything has to start with the same letter if you're a preacher. So I'm calling it streams, but it's really a placeholder for what we call 40-day journeys. Let me read you the burden behind this. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, Jesus says to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide, not linger, stay. Not visit, abide. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Now watch this next verse. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Have you ever noticed that's the second half of the sentence, but most people quote it as though it were a full sentence? You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. How come nobody starts it off saying, if you abide in his word? Because it's more expensive. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, then all I have to do is know the truth. If you abide in my word, then you're truly my disciples. And because of those two things, then you'll become aware of the truth and the truth will set you free. But you got to abide in my word. This is why we're going all in on discipleship. One of the greatest weapons God has given you to fight the good fight of faith. This book right here. This is it. Yet for many of us, we pick it up every once in a while and then put it down for six weeks and then come back to it, but we don't abide in it. No wonder we're getting our tails kicked. The fight would be so much simpler if we just pick up that sword. Now, let me try and paint a picture of this, the streams, okay? They're 40-day journeys. Now, during COVID, we, we took a step in this. Uh, but it was not videoed. We're, we're moving to the next level. Here's the goal, okay? We're gonna spend all of 2024 assembling these 40-day journeys that are about 12 to 15 minutes long every day for 40 straight days uh, covering various things, all right? Here's the goal. That by January 1st, 2025, 
that our entire church, this would be the first year, and my heart would be we do this every year at least until I retire, Lord willing, 25 years from now. That every new year starts with a 40-day all-church discipleship commitment, but it's personalized and individualized. We're not all just doing the same thing. So for instance, if you're a married couple and you go into 2024 and you feel the Lord saying, there's some things I want to do, but I will not do them until your finances are in order according to my desires. And no one's ever taught you biblical stewardship. You could take a 40-day journey on biblical stewardship. What about a teenager who feels the Lord is, is really moving them, the Spirit of God is moving them into more intimate fellowship. They could do a 40-day journey on being a friend of God. What about if someone's battling in the area of their health, a 40-day journey on getting healthier physically? What about somebody who has father wounds, a 40-day journey on being healed of father wounds? Do you, you see what I'm saying? I don't have time to go through all of them, but just get the picture, and I need you to hear me. Okay, this is not some Apple talk where I'm talking about all the new features of a phone so that you'll buy it. I'm laying out what I and the elders believe the Lord is saying. You want to know what I'm going to hold you responsible for? This is a big part of it. Don't just gather my bride. Build her up. Build her up. So from birth to the oldest among us, wouldn't it be amazing for you to always have access to a 40-day discipleship journey? And here's how it would kind of go. Uh, it's a little more than a devotional, but less than a course. About eight-ish to 10 minutes of a teaching every morning, and then about seven or eight minutes of worship with our worship team. Because I don't just want you to learn things. The lovers of God, when they learn more about God, it always draws them nearer to God. This isn't about getting more head knowledge. If the knowledge I, I gather about God doesn't draw me nearer to God, it hit my head but never got to my heart. And so we're, we're going to provide intimate, holy moments between you and God, an easy way for you to consistently have holy moments with God, and I believe it will turn your world upside down but we've got to make it easier for you to do. Okay, so those are 40-day journeys, all right? We're going to spend much of 2024. 2023, we're doing what we believe God asked, and that was build the, the most shallow part of the funnel, the beginning of it, and then move to the deeper part in 2024. And then that brings us to the next deepest part of the pool, but let me give you a one-liner before we go there. The easiest person for the enemy to pick off is the one who isn't going anywhere. If there's a part of you that's like, wow, this sounds like the church is kind of raising its bar of expectation for me to be on the move in my relationship with the Lord, you are exactly right. And here's why. He deserves it. We just have to do a better job of setting it on a tee for you to be able to do it consistently and grow in your faith. Here's the next level. School. This is courses and curriculum. Part of what we believe God's asking us for is not just 40-day journeys that are kind of devotional discipleship. It's even going deeper. Now we're getting into the deepest part of the pool. This is courses and curriculum, tracks that go with it. 
First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20 is one of two verses that ca have calibrated me and I want to calibrate our church as it relates to being a church always on the move into the deeper things of God. First Corinthians 14, 20 says, brothers, do not be children in your thinking. In other words, don't be immature. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 says, So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. One of my concerns about the body of Christ is that it appears to me that pilots, attorneys, and doctors take their call more seriously than we take ours. I'm a pilot. You might not know that about me. I haven't flown in a while. And the reason I haven't flown in a while is because I'm called, I'm what's called not current. I haven't done what I needed to do because I don't have the time or desire right now to fly an airplane. If I wanted to fly, I would have to stay legally current so that I could safely pilot an aircraft. But right now I cannot because I haven't done what I needed to do to stay current. Attorneys can't practice if they don't stay current. Doctors can't operate if they don't stay current. And furthermore, would you actually want a doctor doing brain surgery on you who had done nothing for 18 years? Okay, well what would the body of Christ be like if somebody tried to teach a class and hadn't spent quality alone time with the Lord in 18 years? I mean, we expect it out of our doctors, do we expect it out of ourselves? It's called ongoing education. That's what discipleship is. It's ongoing education. Now, let me paint a more clear picture, okay? This is where it kind of gets a little exciting. I have to contain myself just a little bit. Not only do we want to have classes with curriculum, we're going to create tracks that involve multiple courses. So let me give you an example of one that, that every time I talk about it, my heart explodes. I'm concerned watching the movement of deconstructionism take over our young people. We are sending our high school seniors who graduate into some of the darkest institutions of higher learning humanity has ever witnessed. And they're, they're coming in contact with a spirit of intellectualism that sounds like it has a really great argument that's separated from God. And because the church hasn't been raising up our students, not because they're going to go be pastors, but simply because they are children of God. We haven't done our job to prepare them to go into those dark places and be the light. I won't say, can you imagine? Because that makes it sound ethereal and like it might not happen. I, I, I got to be careful when I talk this way. I don't care what I have to do. We got to make this happen because our kids are worth it and so is God. But imagine if... We don't imagine, think about, okay? Think about the day, which I believe will be here in less than two years, where we create a track for graduating seniors before they graduate. Let's say one course is a course on biblical finance. Do you know how many college kids go off to college, get a free credit card in the mail, not fully understanding what debt can do to you? 
and it creates an appetite from day one that takes 15 to 25 years to get out of? Part of the reason is we're not teaching biblical stewardship. So imagine a course. And imagine if we said to our graduating seniors, between your junior and senior year, you have two years, if you finish this track with these courses, we're going to sow, and I'll just throw a number out. I don't, I don't, some of the elders are in this room. I've, I gotta be careful. But just imagine, I'll throw a number out just so you can picture this. Imagine if we said, if you finish this track that has biblical stewardship, how about this, a course on apologetics. Preston, what's apologetics? It's defending the faith. Can you imagine? Don't imagine. Why do I keep saying that word? Can you wrap your mind around what it will be like to send our graduating seniors off to Berkeley, Harvard, Penn, Cornell, dark places, and they are more prepared not only to defend the faith, but God anoints it and use it to bring others to faith. But imagine, why do I keep saying that word? Wrap your mind around. I'm terrible. I'm just so excited. I can't believe all this is happening and God seems to be just blessing and asking for more of it. Just wrap your mind around saying, if you go through this, when you finish this course and go off to school, we're going to, as a church, sow a $2,000 scholarship into your education. Get can you wrap your mind around if we sent a hundred graduating seniors, took up an offering, and gave them $2,000 each because they finished the course and they are ready to carry on the family business, which is growing the kingdom of God, they are prepared and they don't get steamrolled in really dark places. We have to do this. 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 How about a track for single moms? A part of living in the house of Bethany, which we've talked at length about. God gives us an apartment complex, and one of the criteria for living in the house of Bethany will be being presently enrolled in courses that are a part of the track that go through stewardship, go through freedom, go through uh, doctrine, to help them understand the faith. It doesn't have to be at a seminary level. But listen, we, we, we can't look at someone and go, well, I don't think you can handle it. No, 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 you love Jesus. Jesus loves you. And the lovers of God pursue him with a heart to learn more about God. And we wanna help you. We're gonna make it easier for you. In the track for single moms, how about something on how to steward a job, how to get a job, how to, find, how to start a business, whatever God leads us to do. But preparing these incredible women before they're sent out with ongoing education to be prepared for all God asks them to do. Are you getting the picture? Okay, there are lots of other tracks that we believe God's gonna speak to us about. That's just two little snapshots. Here's the kind of the bottom end of the pool, the deepest end. I'm calling it sponsors, it's coaches and teachers. 2 Timothy 2, 2, you've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now, teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. We've got to raise up more teachers in the house of the Lord. 
We've got to raise up more coaches to come alongside. The reason I use the word sponsor is because the word sponsor, number one, it starts with an S. Number two, it literally means one who helps and promotes. The best teachers I have ever had don't suppress me with their authority. They actually use everything God's given them to promote me to do whatever God created me to do. We gotta raise up those kind of teachers. We gotta make room for that. We have some. I believe God's sending us more. We gotta raise up plenty. Think about this. One of the goals I've set before the Lord is I would love it to be five years. I don't know if that's reasonable. But having a course on every book in the Bible. How many of you have ever wanted to take a study of the book of Revelation? How about the book of Psalms? How about the book of Genesis? We have some amazing teachers. Candace, you can't even control yourself right now. She's so excited. She's one of our best Bible teachers. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could say to our teenagers, hey, as a family, you know what we're going to do this month? We're going to take the course on 1 Samuel. We're going to do it together as a family. <laughs> Listen, we must. We must. Because God deserves it. Okay, so hopefully you're getting the picture. Some of you might be asking this next question and feel it's the most important question. Okay, Preston, I hear you, but how are we going to do this? This is awesome, kid. It's exciting. I think it's a little too, you're, 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 it's a little too big for you to pull off. Oh, it totally is. That's why I'm, I'm not going to pull it off. You are. How are we going to do this? Our gifts. Let me read you the passage. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Okay, you ready for a, a fun little picture? I, I teased online testimonies. Let me give you the picture I felt the Lord give me years ago. I got this picture of someone struggling with alcoholism badly. And at three o'clock in the morning, drunk as a skunk, they Google, I don't want to drink anymore. And because a, an incredible gathering of people put together a team that connected keywords in such a way that it would cause a particular video to pop to the very first link that this sweet but inebriated human would click on. They click on the link, and it's a video of one of our members. Six minutes long, and it's a man who's in our church who struggled with alcoholism for nearly four decades. And he looks right in the camera, and he says, I've been where you are. I know you hate yourself right now. I know shame is washing over you like an ocean. I just want to tell you my story because if God did it for me, I believe he could do it for you. And six minutes later, he gives this inebriated but sweet person in the middle of the night an opportunity to meet Jesus. That's just an example. I'll give you another one. Because there's so many testimonies in our church. 
We have somebody in our church, an amazing woman, who had a blood disease, a very specific blood disease, and she was having to go uh, in for treatments that pulled out her blood. She had so much toxicity in her blood, she would have to go pull portions of her blood out of her body, clean it up, and put it back in just to keep going and stay alive and, and not start tanking. And one day, God supernaturally healed her of every bit of disease. Imagine at 4.07 p.m., an incredible young woman who was just diagnosed with the same disease gets on Google and says, I have this disease. And a small gathering of amazing humans put together a team that connected keywords to a particular video that caused it to be the first link this young woman clicks on. And it's a woman in our church telling her story of how God healed her because God is our healer. I, I could go through a litany. Let me get more specific. What about your testimony? One of the things, and remember, so some of you might be going, why are we calling these strategic hooks? Remember what Jesus said to his disciples when he was gathering them? Come, follow me, and I will make you, what? Fishers of men. People who fish use hooks. One of the things I believe God's asked our church for over the next 25 years is 10,000 hooks in the water that any fish can bite on anywhere on the earth any second of the day. Preston, this sounds insane. It might be. Or it could just be God. How are we going to pull this off? You. We're going to use the gifts God's given you to build his kingdom. This is war, and it's time for you to take your place. And we've got to build the infrastructure to steward what God's asking for. But here's what I need from you. Here's my ask now. I need you every day of your life, for the rest of your life, on a daily basis to travel to as many nations in person as you possibly can and deliver your six-minute testimony. But you can't, can you? Preston, I have a family, I have a business to run, I know. But you can do two things at the same time. You just have to know how to do it. If you look at what's over here, to my right, your left, along the wall, this group, it's gonna be a little hard, just look behind you. There's a red light on this little thing. What is that that you see? What is it? No, it's not. It's a missionary. It's a missionary. That's a message carrier. That we've spent the Lord's money on so that the message of the good news can reach that little girl in Mumbai, 14 years old, was forced to have sex 
six times already today and has been doing it since she was eight years old. That missionary is going to get a video to her about how much the God of the universe loves her in the next 24 hours. She's going to get it. Some of us, and we see there's a, a new member of the missionary family. There's a, a new, you call it camera, I call it missionary. You see it moving back there. Some of you behind it are seeing it. You're going to see more of this. Please don't be bothered by it. Would you ever run up to the little girl and go, you're in my way. Please just move out of my way. The girl who just had sex six times because she was forced to by her pimp. You would never talk to her like that. Okay, that camera right there is taking her a message. Don't curse it. Ask God to bless it. I want to give you a little more data so that you can see a little bit of how God is already blessing this. I told you about the 4.2 million just in October and the 470,000. Um, I want to give you the rest of the story. We're in connection with, with lots of different people and lots of business owners. There is a business we're in relationship with that's about a 25 to $30 million a year business. They spend uh, between $200,000 and $250,000 a month with Meta, the parent company of Instagram and Facebook, to get their word out. Okay? In October, they experienced 2.8 million individual humans okay, seeing their stuff, and 37,000 direct engagements. Okay? Remember, I told you 4.2 million and 470,000. Do you want to know what this 25 to $30 million a year company spent to get 2.8 million humans to see what they're doing? $233,000. Want to know how much we spent in October? Listen, Meta thinks they're building some corporate monster. Do not share this secret with anyone outside of this room. But we are using them as a postal service to get the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. President, I don't understand why we're talking about this stuff. I thought we were talking about discipleship. It's all-encompassing. Let's get to the last question. Why must we do this? Ever heard the phrase shoulda, coulda, woulda? I hate that phrase. I want to teach you should, could, must. And here's how I see it. We do almost none of what we feel we should do. We do very little of what we think we could do but we do most of what we know we must do. Shortest answer I can give you to the question, why must we do this, comes down to the last two verses in the Bible. Why must we do this more diligently than we ever have? Why must we try harder than we think we even can to disciple as many in Scottsdale, the Valley, the state of Arizona, the United States of America, 
but also all over the world. Why? And we're just playing our part. I pray this is the heart of the church. And here's the why. What are the last two verses in Scripture? Let me read it to you. Revelation chapter 22, verses 20 and 21. He who is the faithful witness to all these things, that's Jesus, says, Yes, I am coming soon. This isn't a game, Preston. This is not a drill, Preston. I am coming again soon. I died not just for some. I wanted the whole earth to be saved. And I am coming again soon. And you must not just focus on what's right in front of your face. You must focus on everyone I love. And you must do your part to take my gospel to the ends of the earth. Because I am coming again soon. Preston, it will be here before you know it. When we hear the words of Jesus wrapping up scripture, I'm coming soon. We go, yay! And I'm excited about his return, but I'm also overwhelmed by it. There is a lot of work to be done. And we can't do it all. But because not everyone's going to do their part, we must do more than ours. Preston, why can't we just be a church about our church? Because that's not what Jesus asked for. Oh, we're about our church. Remember what I told you. A church must have a commitment to its family, a call to its city, but a heart for the world. We must. We must. We must. This is how we're going to attack what I believe is the most intimidating verse in the Bible. We need to bathe it in prayer. We need to pray more than we celebrate. Let's not start celebrating until we see souls coming into the kingdom. Students getting stronger in their faith. Let's get serious before we start celebrating. Listen, I can't control what I believe God is asking for from our church. You know what else I can't control? I can't control your response. This is either the most insane thing I have ever done, or it's the greatest act of faith that I've taken in 45 years. But we must build something that prepares our grandchildren, not just to keep the faith, but to grow stronger in it. Why? Because God deserves it. And he wants it.